Like our our dog yeah. stuff is slow. We're we're keeping it. Now. The drugs were good. <laughs> you better fucking believe it. Hello and welcome to Things I Can't Forget, the limited podcast series where the slackers themselves tell the stories behind some of their recently unearthed rarities. My name is Matt Wixon, and I am joined by... JJ Loy. Hey, we got picked up for a a second episode. Look at us here. (laughs) The pilot was successful. (laughs) Not sure. Again, it's a a limited series, so we're not sure how how many episodes at this point it's going to go. But it's definitely not only one. So <laughs> definitely more than one. <laughs> Heck, um, we might even do a third one after this. We'll see. I hope so. I hope so. And tonight, of course, we are joined by Dave Hilliard. He is he is with us uh, for every episode of this of this project. And uh, we're also going to have uh, as guest uh, Marcus Geard, bass player for the Slackers, as well as Agent J, uh, the guitar player for the Slackers. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Yes. Hello. You guys made it. You're here. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> so where are the slackers at when you guys uh, start working on Wasted Days? Not geographically, but just like, what have you guys been doing at this point? Where are you at with songwriting and all of that? We had the question and we went on tour for the question for a long time. We mm-hmm. probably toured it for a year and a half. Yeah. And then we had a transition because we did Live at Ernesto's. So that sort of got us oh, right. to the thing. And coming into Wasted Days, we were under a bit of pressure because that was the last album of our Epitaph record deal at the time. So, gotcha. And so there's a sense like, oh, crap, we better come up with something to get another one. <laughs> and to boot, we had to, uh, I think there was also a feeling, at least by myself, it was like, well, I haven't ever had a record with a string section. I haven't ever got any <laughs> I may not get the chance to get right. the string yeah. section in this. So it's like, so, so you t- know. Tim was giving you string section money, huh? No, no, I mean, it was no. like, we, no, but it's like we knew people, you know, it's like, yeah, it's fair like, enough. It's so, like, and the, the string section is Regina. Regina, gotcha. Regina played all right, four from parts. the scoff laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. She she played very sax with the scofflaws, Regina Valentesi. The Regina version of old days is just killer. You mean was um, it made up my made mind? Of, made of my, my mind. mind. Fit the slack. Yeah, yeah. Mind, yeah. yeah. That's that's actually one of the things I'm most proud of recording. Um, oh yeah. Is fit the fit the slack because I was just like it's, it's out so there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There. yeah. Nobody has a song like that. <laughs> and I was I was you know you always dream of those big. Uh, string section stuff you know it's like <laughs> yeah it, it, it's, it's it's like the tr- i love those trojan songs with strings i love um you know I would, there's um a couple uh hector laveau songs that have like big string breaks and it's sure. like it, it's like man I, I you know it's it just warms my heart every time i hear that i'm like oh, that's so nice I mean, it's a nice touch you don't you don't hear a lot of that uh anymore no i mean i no. love disco so I mean, yeah, a good, a good yeah. funky string section. Thumbs up. Yeah. So it, it right made in my mind definitely had the funk disco kind of was yeah. on its sleeve right there. 
That is actually right. one of my favorite slacker tunes. The rhythm of that one, I think, is super cool. But I think it's also a really good pop song. I think I think we executed the rhythm section well. I would say actually the best singer for it, and maybe I should just like bother him to go recut it. Was yeah. Alex Desire? <laughs> oh, definitely. You said Alex Desire. When Alex oh. did it, when Alex did it live with us, he just like fucking demolished that. Yeah, shit. So he killed man. it. He killed yeah, you guys it. do. Yeah. You guys do have to get him back into the studio to do that again. Yeah, yeah he's, oh, he's, he's 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 tough to get. I mean, the good thing about well, Alex, sure. is he'll do what he agrees to, but getting him there is is the tricky part. So, are you when you're going into the studio cognizant of the fact that this is the last Hellcat record? Are you trying? To, are you like pulling out all the stops deliberately, or is this string section yeah. thing just like, eh, I want yeah, it yeah. to? Yes. Okay. Yes. So also, you're really you're truly swinging for the fences with this record. Yeah. And the funny the funny so. thing is too is we had a few restrictions because the question, um, although people in retrospect people love the double LP, <laughs> the record company yeah. did not. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also they also released right at one of the lowest points of vinyl. Right. True. Right. True. 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 So it's so so that the fact that they're like. I, they're like, why did we listen to them when they said a double vinyl will be the big good idea? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so literally, well, we, there was numbers, there was numbers put on the vinyl. Like this is the most we'll press on the vinyl, and I think it was like two hundred in Europe and five hundred in the states. Yeah, yeah. And it's a single LP this time. That's why we actually made it different, the yeah. vinyl different than the CD. Um, because we they wouldn't give us okay so i really wanted to ask about that the vinyl version because it does in a way feel kind of like um what we're talking about tonight these kind of not quite outtakes but um it, it some of the stuff felt not quite ready for prime time too right like well it would have been good filler material for a double album like if you can imagine you know when we did the question we were consciously like okay a cd gives us 72 minutes we're going right. to use all 72 minutes because we didn't think we were going to get a lot more records. Right. And then, you know, we did it and it worked reasonably well. So we came into Wasted Days going, oh, geez, I suppose we really need a single. You know, we need, <laughs> yeah. we need something that the, the record company can actually push and promote. So right. I guess I feel like the, the LP was single. always like a supplement, like you still needed the CD. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Well, I mean, yeah. when we when we did the reissue, we were able to do it kind of the way we, we wanted, wanted to to, or, yeah. to release it originally. Okay. So the the reissue that came out a couple of years ago, the double LP version, is pretty much like if we had didn't have people saying no, you can't do that. We would have so so like this that. really was intended to be a a bigger album, and all of this was supposed to be one piece. The the vinyl. Well, thing no, I mean, I we say we that. went we knew going in they weren't going to give us that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it okay. was, it we was didn't kind of... we didn't know they were going to let us do a vinyl release of many alternate versions. Okay. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you can't say it was planned because it really yeah. wasn't. Okay. Yeah. No, what, is it, there was there a model for that like have you had you seen another band do like a radically different vinyl version compared to the version of an album that was on a cd no <laughs> huh. no yeah I, I can't think of anybody else <laughs> okay there there are reasons the record company doesn't want you to do certain things 
Right. <laughs> you see, the funny Maybe thing is that I don't think they were really money. I don't think they were really paying attention. I don't um, think they were paying attention to, to, what we, to what we were putting on the L, this LP versus the CD. Okay. As long as we filled the slots, they were they were cool yeah. with it, you know. <laughs> Were they so just like, yeah, send the masters over and whatever, and they didn't, they weren't involved. Right, they weren't paying attention to that, but they were like, we're not paying for a double LP again. Okay. <laughs> and we are pressing a thousand of them. You get, you guys yeah. got, like I said, you get five hundred in the states, and you get two hundred in Europe, and that. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And the the irony, of course, is that the European version sold out in a couple months. Like naturally. It, it, it it sold it maybe even in a month it was gone like I think we and the, had it on and the label the label still was like no we're this is not an option no they, they, we, that was always one of the problems with late today's is when we actually had the hit when we got on NPR and we played wasted days on NPR yeah and we had a right. moment right. a rare moment which one of the few times the slackers were ever in any sort of chart mm -hmm. um, and we were we were going to the top of this fucking chart too, which is the crazy part. It wasn't like we were number 50, we, you know, we've been number yeah. third from last. We've been 54 <laughs> right. in the college charts several times, right? <laughs> but this was the Amazon charts of everything they were selling music wise. Yeah. So it's like the people next to us were like Madonna and stuff at yeah, the time. Damn. And, and we were like numbers, we got up to number six. <laughs> That's wild. And, and it, but it yeah. came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, the sales started going down. Like the the joke of it is, Epitaph saying, "Hey uh -oh. guys, you're doing well. Hey, look at what number you're at. You're number fifteen. Hey, you're yeah. number ten. And then nobody bothered to make sure that the retailers had copies. That Amazon was stocked with copies. <laughs> so you so had a hit. You had a hit and didn't even get to land. Like capital. We reached number six and we sold all the copies that existed, basically. <laughs> Yeah, Damn. <laughs> and they had to go make some more, and all of a sudden, Amazon went to you know from five day delivery to two month delivery, and the sales plummeted. Right, <sighs> right. They literally, they literally ran out. I know that Hefcat had a similar problem back in um, '98 when um, they played Conan. Right, 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 right. That afterwards they were they were hitting the charts, and Hellcat ran out of. Huh. So they really that that kind of stuff really makes an impact. Then, like I. I never really thought about what impact, like how how big of a bump that gave Hepcat going on to Conan. But huge. I, huge. I I guess I had no idea. Yeah, that's that's really cool. But not if you can't, not if you run out of records to sell because it went so well. Right, but the, of course the record yeah, company's yeah. thinking like, yeah, slackers, whatever. You know, who needs the right, extra right. thousand? Who needs the extra thousand in the warehouse? Until they did. Until yeah. you do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. What are you gonna do? And there's literally no options at all at that point. Oh, you you panic produce, you know, you manufacture something as fast as you can. Yeah, I think panic panic is good. Um, fretting, <laughs> fretting, <laughs> fretting yeah. is also. <laughs> We're talking about the song "Wasted Days," correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are yeah, we? That was like, that was you know, Marcus Marcus's big stepping up as a songwriter. Always felt yeah. You know? Right, and this, would you consider this like the competition is tough, guys? You know, before you well, step oh, up well, to the of course, slack, no, of go, course. Hey, uh, guys, I got a song. It it better be good. <laughs> well, mm. to your credit, Marcus, you've put up some really good songs. So, oh, thank I, you. I don't know how many have been rejected, but the ones that have gotten through have been very good. So, 
uh, not many. I got to say, there's, there's, there's been very few that, I mean, nothing gets outright rejected. We give everything a chance, but, uh, you know, some stuff well, yeah. works better than other stuff. Naturally. But, uh, yeah, I definitely have had some tunes that, that just didn't make it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not anything. So next you, know, you have to you have to just live with that. I mean, it's a sure. it's a competitive thing that it literally is. everybody in the band can write. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, Marcus so. is going to have his solo album any day now, right? Uh, believe it or not, it's I just got to get out and record it. Oh, for <laughs> real? Yeah. <laughs> I've got about ten tracks to go for a solo record. Yeah. Oh, dude, I want to hear it. I want to hear it real bad. Yeah. Is it gonna is it gonna be like a ska and reggae project? It's or gonna be a ska reggae country thing. Perfect. I can't wait. Yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> you got it. But you, right. no, no, you'll be fine. You can, but you, but you will. I will you wait. Will wait. <laughs> you will wait. <laughs> so when no. when you start getting this attention for this song. Uh, with a new songwriter having contributed it, do Dave, you and Vic have any kind of like? Gr- do you grumble about it, or are you just no. proud of him that he got the goods? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they do. I don't grumble. <laughs> you, I, I have a very distinct recollection of bringing that song to Vic, and like he was pissed. Really? Like, like, yeah. Like usually, you know, with, with somebody who's new at something, he's he's really very open and supportive because he likes right. to encourage new talent. But he was like, oh, this is good. Fuck you. He's banging it out and he's singing along. And he's like, all right, this li- this is good. This is good. You got to change this. Like he was he was pissed. Not like, you know, <laughs> screaming royally angry, but like I could tell he was miffed. It was vexed. Well, that's, that's, that's funny. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I wasn't like that, right? <laughs> oh. No, no. You're, you're usually. I mean, you're usually pretty good about stuff like that. Uh, it, but it's not really I mean, stepping on your toes. It's not like I'm coming in being like, I wrote an instrumental, Dave, and here's the horn <laughs> line. You know, right? But I mean, I like think this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I think when me and you write tunes that they're not as fleshed out. So it's like, 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 for example, like you didn't have the horn line for ways today. So it's like me and Sully no. came up with, no. with, with that part of it. And um, like so we got, we got, we got, we got, we got personally invested in it because yeah. we like the horn line. No, the horn <laughs> line is wicked. I mean, that's, that's what makes a band. You know what I mean? The, the band makes the song. Yeah. Everybody throws in their, their bit and that that's what makes the song go from being just a, a good foundation, a good you know, yeah. basement to work off of, to being something substantial. And, and the, funny thing about, the, funny thing, the funny thing about A Wasted Days too, it's like, that's one of the things I put on the rarities was a very Larry McDonald heavy version. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. Like, it's like, I think what Larry added to it. And I mean, when I listened to the, I, I had, the funny thing about doing the rarities is I had to come back and I had to listen to the actual album to make sure right this isn't the album cut right you already had a couple of cuts of wasted days that you used right right right. i had to make sure this one was different but there was like 10 vic would make like mixes and mixes so these dad tapes would have tons of mixes and a couple of times the ones i thought were really good were the ones that ended on the album but then there was like a couple other ones like this version of wasted days where i was like 
oh man, I'm really digging the way Larry's fitting in, and it's different than what was released, you know? A couple right. of those I thought were Glenn Adams, because me and Glenn worked on a bunch of those. Maybe that's maybe maybe he was. Maybe that's what the mixes were. It wasn't. It, it was, wasn't it was Glenn, Glenn who wanted mix. to start it with the heavy uh, Larry. Oh, okay. Goom, goom, dugga, dugga, goom, goom. That was Glenn's idea. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. It was. It wasn't marked on the dats as Glenn met Glenn Adams being there. So. No you idea. weren't imagining that kind of Naya Bingi uh, rhythm sound when you when you were writing it, Marcus. No, no. Honestly, I, 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 I wrote the song. It, it was one of those tunes that I wrote in like ten minutes or less. You know, I started playing this thing, and then the lyrics came out. Uh, it was influenced by a Bobby Blue Bland song that I have since heard, and I don't understand where I got the influence from because it, uh, <laughs> it barely. It, it, I think he says, why am I sorry, once or twice. I was like, I don't know. Apparently, That's enough. No, actually, the, the in layering out the arrangement of it, the, the, the final with Glenn, my idea was I wanted to do it kind of like a Rolling Stones production and, and slowly layer the instruments in. Because a lot of times the slackers will start, you know, with the, the whole rhythm section and we chuck in the horns. Right. <clears throat> Every all the vocalists come in, and I was like, no, I want to do this where we we bring in like the drums, the bass, and the guitar. Then we bring in the keys. Then we bring in the organ. Then we bring in you know this. Then we bring in the vocal, and then so it kind of like the whole thing goes through until you get the dun dun pause, and then the vocals come in. So do you know if there's a recorded version that's like that? There is a recorded version of that. Where the hell is it? I don't know. No, no, I mean, that's how, that's how it ended up. The actual recorded version has a ma has a massive bingy part at the top. Yeah, and so it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that they, it, it picked, people picked up on it so much because in some ways we picked our most obscure, obscure least commercial influences and just <laughs> threw them out there. And people yeah. love it. So hey, we, we were smart enough to lead with the best musician we knew at the time. Right. To go back to the horn line real quick, on Lost and Found, there's a different recording of this with a totally different horn part. Yes. When did that whole thing come together? Was that the uh, Glenn? The, the that's Glenn the one vocal? that Glenn sings, yes. Um, that was... And Glenn yeah, Hackett plays on. Right. Yeah, right. Glenn Hackett played it. Because Glenn Hackett also sort of changed the way we played it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He um, changed where the kick drum goes on it. Right, right. And, well, he made um, it funkier. Yeah. Remember we did that. Uh, it's that a little heavier, like a little more downbeat kind of. Yeah. If you've ever got an attitude the, to it. The WKUT tapes. Oh, we've heard them. Yeah. Hackett <laughs> does like one of my favorite versions of Wasted Days. Like he just yeah. put, puts a yeah. heavy soul feel on it. Right. There was there was a period in the mid 2000s where and late 2000s where he was playing with us a bunch. Yeah, because R was out on tour with Leftover Crack and um, Glenn Hackett. He changed the the, the way the rhythm felt, and yeah. then uh, that version, I believe, we recorded it at Jeff's. Yeah, um, in his basement. That's version city. Yeah, version yeah. city. It was part of the self medication era sessions, but it didn't. Um, uh, and 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 oh. Boss Harmony, like in that in that time frame, we did a couple different versions of. We did a reggae version of Tonight. We did a. Uh, watch this ska like just some yeah like, right. around yeah. kind of thing. 
And yeah. then that, that, that Lost and Found album was like really like me and uh, Jay, like I would go over to Jay's house like a lot. Yeah, that was my like crash course in like digital mixing. I had been in, messing with it for a couple of years and I had gotten into Cubase and then this thing needed to get done and Vic didn't have access to a studio or computer or just wasn't available. And I was more than happy to take a crack at it. And some of that stuff I'm really happy with. And the versions were cool. I remember the, the reggae version of Tonight, the band sounded like so good. I was like, oh man. It's such really a killer version. Like reggae, yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it was a learning experience, definitely. And, and uh, you know, a steep learning curve. Learning. When you say crash play. course, when you say crash course, though, you'd already been doing stuff with like Virgin City and all of that by the Yeah, point, but right? digital. For a while. Oh, digital is a different animal. You're yeah, right. yes. it, it, you know, was probably 10 years after the Virgin City years. And even then, I didn't know what I was doing. But tape, you know, it's difficult in some ways doing everything analog, but it's also more forgiving in some ways. The sounds were mm. like warmer and nicer and, right. you know. The whole saturation then, thing. Yeah. And then I worked at, at Jamiland for years. Like we, we I did a couple of things there, but there was very little gear. So I didn't learn a lot. And then there was some dead time where I wasn't doing anything. And then getting into digital and you know it's just a steep learning curve you can do so much but to get it to sound like all stuck together and glued together and really get it to, to sound nice and warm because the slackers always had this like you know before i was in the band like in the 90s stuff at coyote and just the way the band sounded just had this nice old warm sound and yeah you don't yeah. think of the slackers so as a digital get. band yeah it's so hard to get back to that and I think the band is getting back there these days, or at least the sound that we're turning out on our own uh, mixes, I, I think is anyway. But definitely, I'm glad that the, the slackers trusted me to kind of do stuff. And I was very reluctant. I was so worried about like changing anything from the, the tapes that I got. I right. didn't want to edit anything. I didn't want to like get crazy with any effects. I was like, I didn't feel I had license to do that. I was just like, no, just take what they give you and just do a mix of the recordings they give you and send it to Vic and or whoever and you know wait for the complaining to start. <laughs> you know, whatever. At least at, at that point I was so how, glad. How harsh direction. were they on you? How harsh were they on Not you? Not bad at all. And in fact, I wanted direction, you know, because <laughs> right, I, I was right. still lacking confidence digitally and I didn't sure. have a good monitoring situation. So I didn't really trust what I was hearing mm -hmm. out of the monitors. So I kind of wanted somebody to critique me and say like, hey, okay, the bass has got to go up. You need more of this. You need less yeah. of that. Well, you know, I wanted the the critique, you know. So did right. you start in, in kind of a behind the scenes capacity or, or was that just part of your duties uh, that you took on when you became a guitar player? Yeah, you know, I kind of joined, but I didn't really have pretty soon after I joined in 2004, I got some kind of digital, you know, automate uh, audio software and started messing with stuff. Um, and I think just the fact that I was willing to do it and for for the first I remember the first couple records, I was kind of like the assistant to Vic, I would clean up parts and kind of do like, you know, basically like, um, like a studio assistant i would kind of clean up tracks and do edits and do all the shit and kind of we would have this insane system of like a dropbox where the me dave and vic had access to and we would put files in there but 
getting everyone to keep up. I think at first we were emailing files to each other and like getting Vic to check his email and get the latest <laughs> file. So like there's tracks of stuff that I sent him that never made it on record. And like, oh my God. but that was kind of my job. I was like, let me just do all the grunt work that will take Vic hours and hours and he won't want to do. I'll just do it. And that way he has like cleaner tracks and stuff that's ready to go. So hopefully he can just do the actual artistic decisions of like put it all in there and and get down with a track for a couple of hours and do the mix without having to do the tedious editing and all that shit. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think one of the funny things though is you would mix first earlier. And I had pretty much forgotten about it until um I got into the wasted days dance. And I found I didn't remember it was that tune. I thought it was some other tune, but I remember coming in. No, there was, a, there, was a, there was a couple in there um, of, of Agent J mixes, and I guess you were allowed access to the Coyote board. Yeah, but and, it, was uh, during a, it was during sessions, so it was literally, I remember hearing it back, and I'm like, okay, there's some okay ideas here, but it's so rough, and I remember we literally, you guys like literally gave me one hour, and it's like, <laughs> you guys had sounds on the board, and it sounded good. But it sounds like us, yeah. You have to learn the tune, you know. It's, it's I'm going to, I'm going to launch it when I come back. Pretty much, and I understood why, you know, it's it was $65, $75 an hour. You guys yeah, were like, really on the, you know, it was on right. the meter. So, um, you know, and it looks easy when you see like old videos of Prince Jammy and all those, you know, guys just like <laughs> playing with the faders and it just sounds great and they're killing it. And it looks like they're just sitting down and winging it, but it's like, right. You have to really know the tune. You have to know what's going to happen. So it's like, and I remember, I think it was Albert, who was kind of annoyed by me being there. And I was like, how do I set, I was trying to time one of the delays. And he's like, how do I, how do I time this delay? It wasn't a space echo, it was some rack piece. And he was like, you know how to use this stuff, right? Like, you know, he kind of <laughs> like, you know, wasn't having it at all. And kind of like, was like, whatever, yeah, you just turn that there. And like, he went off to take a lunch break. Like, who the fuck is this? Like, touching my fucking forehead. <laughs> but you need that. You need like, you know, those dudes, their shit sounds great. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you don't, that's who you want to, you yeah. want your stuff to sound like. But yeah, it's really rough. Like, there's some basic dub I, I, ideas. I, 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 I actually really, dial really in the like, sounds. I, re I really like the, um, the please don't break break my heart mixes. I, I forget what the other ones were, but there was like around three um, dub mixes on wasted days that you had done. And, well, here uh, on volume two, as I, I see Jay's name next to uh, please don't break my heart. Yeah, did he, right. did he do some of the other dubs on here? No, if it's labeled, I don't remember. I remember just no, that the was one that time. was that was the one that he did was the please don't break my heart. That, but he did a couple others too that didn't quite weren't quite as. Um, together but to me the place don't break my heart dub i was like wow this is really good i don't know what it's like to mix that particular instrument it might be a but you know, you know I love Ira it. had um a manly thing. Um he did he have some... a manly thing. I agree, Dave. No, but it was I know, I know. <laughs> but it was M-A-N-L-E-Y, -E which is like a, well, a pre 
and it, it's like, <laughs> it, it, but, but he ran all the base through that. Right. And right. So, that, and so did Victor Rice, though. Victor Rice loved that manly uh, tube DI box. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> Is that part manly. of his signature sound? Yeah, yes. gets out of everybody. Makes really nice stuff, like really okay. nice circuitry, and yeah. that's what you want. That it's just that 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 nice warm analog sound, you know. Yeah. So yeah. was the goal to emulate something traditional, or was the goal to like what you say, just like do something kind of cool sounding? Yes. Uh, I there think you go. both. <laughs> I think both. Yes. Yeah. The the goal is always to be Lloyd Brevet. Okay. Yeah. Right. What would but, but at, the, at the same time, it's got to sound good. It, whatever it is, it's just oh, that's cool. Yeah, even if <laughs> even if it's literally like somebody's elbow banged against it and knocked the, you know, the knob over a thing. Oh, right, yeah, that right. Cool. Well, that worked. Okay. Jay, you've been working on a dub record, a new dub record. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. Of all, all. It's uh, you know, a, a name I just came up with calling it Slacker's Dub Classics because it's dubs of like the first three records and it oh, just cool. home through like the classic kind of reggae-ish tracks. And, right, uh, and a lot of those haven't even had the dub. Like you guys weren't really doing a lot of dub at the time, so none of these have even been... I think, we, I think Vic was doing dub versions from Red Light on, whether or not they got released or okay. anything was done with them, but... He was always doing dub versions. Like that—that's how he learned how to use the studio. Okay. Yeah. Doing that dub versions of slacker tunes. So. Right. And it, like on Wasted Days, we actually, like I said, we had actually let Jay do a couple mixes, as well. Right. So it was like a, yeah, it, Wasted Days. There was a lot of dub mixing. I mean, Jay, would you say like the, like there's with Wasted Days, you got a lot to work with in terms of, if you're trying to do a dub. You got layers and layers of stuff. Yeah, I forget going through the tracks. I remember just getting a folder from you and just kind of going, oh, yeah, that one, that one. And then even in uh, whatever, December, when I really got back into the tracks, I already done a few rounds of mixes going back to 2018. And then like a year ago, I did some. And then you, you know, last fall, we're like, okay, get back on this. We're trying to do this now. And I remember getting really into it in earnest, you know, about, I guess now three months ago, I guess, you know, in December, the beginning of December, and then wanting to add tracks, like when we needed, okay, we want 10 or 11 and going, oh, we should do red light also, we should do or whatever. I don't know, did I do end up doing red light? I forget which ones, but, uh, you know, like picking them out and I, but I forget what tunes are from what records, because I got one folder of them all mashed together. Um, but it was cool to do the material is that good <laughs> well they're not they're not grouped according to you know which right. record they came out on but they're all that like first three classic you know the classic records so well they're, they're, they're the three the first three albums we did at Coyote so it's basically Red Light Question and Wasted Days yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of have a question uh, about about dub and, and kind of your, your early involvement uh, I had done some some interviews uh, back in the day that that where they said that um, uh, Django gave you and Victor Rice and Victor Ruggiero the first keys to Version City. Yes, and I know that the dub was kind of a big a big part of of all of y'all's vibe at the time. Um, what 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 made like for the four of you 
like want to get into get into dub like this like we just everybody uh, was in dub yeah everybody but, was i don't mean the universe i mean all the guys in the band all the guys in, all the guys in the slackers all the guys in stubborn all the guys and you know all all the musicians at that time we were all aware of dub we were all listening to dub mush was giving us these great mixtapes that had you know king tubby scientist and, and all this shit all over it it was something you could do with like an h track and some effects and it's like if you didn't have we had songs but if you maybe didn't have songs you know if you just had rhythms mm -hmm. it was like oh you can make a performance out of just the rhythm track yeah that's the thing we liked and and the, the the studio itself became the instrument and the mix itself became the performance yeah it was something i i gravitated toward when i first got into jamaican music and started listening to it and it was like one of those things in fact interesting story 1994 the slackers go to japan and our buddy happy who ended up living in japan marrying a japanese woman and living over there and he went with them and i stayed in Happy's apartment, I subletted his room for like watched his apartment for two weeks while they were in Japan. And yeah. so I lived there. So I, every day I went through Happy's records and like pulled out his scientist records and and listened to all that stuff and, and Lee Perry stuff. And he had cool cassettes of stuff. And I had some exposure to it. But that two weeks while you guys were in Japan and I was staying in Happy's room was kind of like dub 101 for me. Ah. Mm, really or i worked at jammy land yeah so it really opened a lot of doors so i have to thank happy for that okay so like we have to thank happy for a lot of things if we're gonna thank happy the reason why we're here is happy oh yeah uh That's sick and mad from right sick and mad yeah. yeah yeah no but i mean also also happy um was trying to pick up my ex-girlfriend but as a result as a result he found out that her boyfriend wasn't was in hepcat and and all of a sudden was like oh i have a, I, you know i know this ska band too that's how you know happy <laughs> so that's 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 how i knew it's crazy that's great that's that's, that's really funny right that's how i did from slackers so it was like all of a sudden oh you should play with the you should you should jam with these guys I thought Mushlin met you first, and Mushlin no. really, no. yeah, huh. it was happy. Huh. SBA so you connected. were already in New York. Yes. Yeah. See, all right. I thought you had kind of like moved here and were like, "All right, fuck LA, fuck these guys. Let me go hang out with these jerks in New York and get all no, that." I, I, I had dream dreams of an academic career. I was a, I was a published author, Jim. Published, you know. And learned learned journals, learned journals. Uh, and, and I would love mind. to say that we <laughs> we we dragged Dave down into the gutter, but that would not be true. I could not say that with all honesty. I got a question about the uh, the dubs on Wasted Days too. They seem like they were uh, written to be dubs. Not, they're not dub versions of other tunes. Am I am I right? Are you talking about Pets of the World and Tales of the Mongoose? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, those were written as dubs. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We should be able to call them dub one and dub two. Yeah, yeah. yeah you right. still do it like even after the record. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, trust it's, me. It's dub two with, listed with, on uh upsetting Ernesto's. Is it called dub two? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. But oh, had the original title. Oh, there you nope. go. It's the original title. Yeah. But that was also like people getting more comfortable in the studio and 
sometimes the jam, you know. But that happens though. I mean, I always think about propaganda, you know, for Ara and I were left alone in the studio for five minutes. Next thing we know, we come up with propaganda. Okay. Or to come up with the seed that would become propaganda. Right, the, right. Mu the, music, the music for it, yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. happened to Uncle Pivo? That was like, Uncle Pivo. Wasn't that how we started the show, like in 2001 or something on a European tour that was always like part of the gig? Like, there was a moment. I thought it was the end of uh, Watch This. Because I would take, uh, just something about it just struck me at the end of Watch This, you know, dum dee 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 dum 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 And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's full up, basically, the rhythm. Yeah. And, but uh, it, it's, uh, Pivo ended up on the dub album. Yeah, yes, it did. Afternoon, yeah. and, Afternoon dub. and Dub is, not, is a good album. I have since listened to it, and I, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I had the same revelation when I found those... Uh, test pressings of the the wasted days record i like listened to the lp version was like hey this is really pretty cool so when you guys we've already kind of established that you guys are swinging for the fences with wasted days what kind of influences are you bringing into this record because it is a pretty big statement uh of departure really i think yeah it's it feels like it I, yeah I mean, for me i think it felt like, like a very natural record to me like, to, 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 for me, it's like red light. We were just getting our shit together. Yeah. The question was like the tour album where everybody, all the eight piece at the time had been on tour together. So everybody contributed to the question. Uh -huh. And then wasted, wasted days. It was like, well, what are we going to do next? Right. It, it, it feels it's like the real thing. growth record. Like, I feel like the first three, like really established, like what you guys are about. And then like wasted days is like, like the next chapter you know i, 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 don't, I don't mean could, to say it's not not natural but just no no, no that's fair I, I think you could fairly say that the first three records were the product of us playing live and then when we did wasted days we'd kind of been touring the crap out of the question for a year or so two years and then uh you know like dave was saying we had to come up with something else uh not necessarily something else something different but something more we had to come up with an album i agree that this sounds like a natural progression like it definitely sounds like the slackers without a doubt uh but it's a little bit weirder a little bit grittier a little bit kind of spacier in like a way that's not necessarily dub like it's kind of psychedelic in spots yeah like it's it's there's a lot more to it than like not to say that the other stuff was was simple but like comparatively it was a lot more straightforward i think huh we probably just grew and developed as musicians over the years. I think yeah. also those European tours and Vic smoking a lot more weed. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like the early 2000s had kind of like a, a dub thing happening too. Did you feel that on the wind? Like the sky wave had crashed? <laughs> That's <Are> fair. You... <laughs> no, but I, I actually, uh, afterwards, yes. But when we were doing Wasted Days, we weren't really influenced by that. I think uh, not hearing that. the... I think with uh, with us, we were it was literally like we've been on tour. We were getting a little weird, and I think we're always, I mean, we're always swinging for the fences to a certain extent. Like when you got, ask the guys in the band what their favorite albums are, there's some pretty heavy albums, and our goal in life is to create the equal to our favorite albums. Yeah, right. something yeah. we never compared our albums to our peers' albums. We always compared them to like our favorite records, like. You know, 
How did this compare to a Rolling Stones record, for instance? Does every album have its own like comparisons? Like, is would you compare this to records that you wouldn't have compared Red Light to? No, um, no, I, I wouldn't say that. It's okay. funny, Marcus, that you mentioned the Stones because when I first heard Wasted Days, especially like Information Error, I was just like, oh, this sounds like Tattoo You or like mm. Emotional Rescue. It sounds like that late 70s, early 80s transitional Stones mm. where they're trying to figure out what they're doing. They're not really a blues rock band. They're kind of like a dance rock band. And I was like, this sounds fucking great. I was like, this, nobody is playing this. Like nobody is sounding like this right now. I mean, you I know, it. it, it's, it's I, I fun to mention the Stones again. It's like uh, the versions of This Is Night. The ones I put on the rarities are closer to how we played it live. Yeah. Um, and then Vic went and added, it's almost like uh, Let's Spend the Night Together by the Stones. Like like that sort of, like if you listen to the, the album version, yeah i really like listening to the two versions you put on the band camp thing yeah. the spoken word version and then the alternate takes version yeah. uh, something somebody had said this earlier that we were really experimenting with the sounds and i noticed like the difference between the the kind of demo take version and the, the spoken word version like the sounds of the instruments are have really changed for the spoken word version like the guitar is a lot heavier and grittier yeah that's pretty that's pretty messed up so i told my baby you know if i don't know you at all yeah vic vic really went on journeys with these mixes i mean it's like there's there's dads where it's literally like one song. Yeah. So he was really like sitting there, like like having a. It, it, it's like you know, like like Marcus was there for part of it. I was there for part of the mixing, and like we would come back, and Vic is on, completely on a different tangent with the songs. I, I, <laughs> I, I live down the street, so I would deliberately go down there and hang out because, like you know, like I said, this was seventy seventy five dollars an hour. And Vic's in there dicking around making 87 versions of a two chord <laughs> song. I'm like, yo, you know, move it, get on with this. <laughs> but this part of the thing, I remember tape opping one of the set, it might have been on uh, Close My Eyes, but I, I, don't, I don't think it was Wasted Day. It might have been Close My Eyes, but um, he needed, like, I think we went up to Noise New York and like, he was he wanted to cut organ overdubs so uh, you, you know and i like i just sat there and like okay just press record basically make sure that his, his track was armed and he just was in there and he had five different slightly different mixes i don't know if some of them were different takes of whatever tune i forget what it was and some of them were just bass and drums some of them were rhythm mixes some of them had vocals some of them might have been different takes and he just had all these ideas that he wanted to do with organ so he just had the tape run down of like these five mixes. And so he just would play through. He's like, just let it run and I'll play through one mix to the next. And some he wouldn't even like stop playing. He would just kind of hold some chord on the organ and then the next version would <laughs> click in and he'd just go into the next thing he was playing. Huh. And I was like, okay, this is, at first I was like, pick a fucking take, man. And then I was like, <laughs> oh no, it's like, you gotta, 
you, it's a performance. You got to figure out which one feels the best, which one you, you put down, you, you know, different ideas on each one and you got to really figure it out. It's not, you know, it wasn't digital where you could just cut and paste. Oh, I like this lick here. Let me throw that in. Let me do this. It's like each take of each, you know, musician playing, even an overdub is a performance. Yeah. So he was like very conscious of that and like huh. wanted as many in a row so he could just get into that space and like finally maybe by the fourth or fifth version he would like really know what he was trying to do. Yeah. That was the that's... cool thing about noise though is like you know I I was up there for the first half of Close My Eyes but he was just taking so damn long with it like every day was a 12 hour day. I remember just... back then you complaining about it like I don't know oh. what he's doing like it's taking forever and I'm like but it was sounds cool, man. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't seventy dollars an hour. No, so I exactly. was like, yeah. you know what? Let him let him go do what he needs to do. Right, but, right. Yeah. That's, well, I think that with wasted days, he would spend time up in Noise New York doing stuff. And that's one reason why there are literally dozens of dad tapes of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if he was a coyote, you would have annoying people like me or Marcus going. How much? You Get out! Come on, please. <laughs> You're done. You're finished. Running over the calculator. Well, well hey, Dave, this can be this can be off the record, but you've listened to all the dads. How much? How much time was he wasting up there? No, I mean it's actually. I, he would you know, sleep much there. He, he wasn't wasting time. He would be <laughs> living there twenty four seven. I I gotta say, as much as I give big shit, I I really appreciated um, listening, sitting there listening to the different mixes. You know, because I got a Sony Datman, right? So I put it in. I'm just putting the headphones on. And it's like, uh, you just listen for an hour and it's like, oh, okay, there's a journey going with these mixes. He, and then and then the, he'll have a eureka moment where he's like, aha, right, the guitar right. reverb needed to be changed. And then, or he just like hit, click that button with his elbow as he was doing something and you never <laughs> noticed it, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, it's, it sounds great now. Well, it's like right. all the songs in mono on Close My Eyes. It's because the speaker broke. <laughs> wow. It's just that simple. He broke a speaker and it was like, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? Oh, everything's mono. in mono. Mono is very important. <laughs> it's low <laughs> man. man. We're ahead of the cool curve. Scientist yeah. mixes in mono. So There you go. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a lot of people like mono. I mean, it's it is what it is. So it's I think with, with with Vic, it's like really getting in. I mean, it was really a journey and it was good for me at the time because we're in the middle of quarantine and, you know, being up at two in the morning, listening to an hour <laughs> worth of slacker mixes was kind of therapeutic in a weird way, you know, so. Do you that. think that this is kind of indicative of just Vic's creative process or thinking process in general that he he tinkers and he's got a whole bunch of different approaches before he lands on the one he's going to take? I yeah. think that's a very normal approach for a lot of uh, producers, actually. Okay. Just, you, I mean, if, if, if you don't just let yourself do stuff, how are you ever going to come up with, with something truly free? Mm-hmm. Huh. Good point. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I, very... think, I think with Vic, too, he, he often has a larger agenda than he likes to let on. <laughs> you know, he, uh-huh. with, with Vic, he always has like, the, there's like the secret agenda to what's going on. <laughs> and, and it's it's like but you can see it developing he's really like like i said you listen to these mixes and you're like okay mix one's kind of mix two. Oh wait a minute mix four something happened <laughs> ah mix seven something really happened 
there's like these leaps and there's a system to it and he's like discovering stuff so he can be he can be incredibly fixated when he's going and he's into something then that's when he wears everybody out because me and marcus are sitting there like you've been here for 10 hours jesus right 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 but he but he will like literally you won't know where he is for a week and then i'll be doing mixes for fucking like three days straight or something that's how he is as a person you know and is that still how it is is that still how you make a record um it's kind of (laughs) kind of yeah i mean i think you're right though dave i think that's that's big's process he 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 goes through it and he goes over and over and he adds a little bit each time adds a little bit more changes a little bit tweaks a little bit and then you know he it's like he's mining he he mines these tunes for the nuggets and then gets his final take where he gets all the things that he wants in the right place and it sounds great and i gotta say the thing about wasted days is probably one of our most layered albums yeah like between like the extra guitar parts uh percussion mm-hmm. um you know we, we put unusual violin, slide violin, guitar. Pedal, pedal steel yeah. yeah it's like layers of horns it's like there's a lot and then effects you know it's it's like there's a lot going on like just layer yeah. after layer even some weird like little spoken word things that are thrown in there so it's voicemails even the way the record opens with that uh that's so that's uh, not a voicemail that yeah that was i i know i I caught myself it's not a voicemail (laughs) no it's it's a tape a tape of an answering machine is where that's from right yeah yeah that was brilliant none of us had any idea that was happening until we heard you know the record and it was that, like so that was all Vic oh, just like so hey this, tragic. What, the, yeah. what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah Rebecca right yeah at the top Rebecca Frost so yeah. Jay you're you're around these dudes but not yet in the band what were you thinking about like what they were doing at the time with this record you know it was I, I thought it was cool I remember the t-shirts I remember they did one tour it was on the Wasted Days thing and they were going to Europe and they needed me to drive the van. They needed me to like drop you guys off at JFK or something and then bring the van back up to Westchester near Vic's house at like some parking space he knew in like a parking lot. Then like, <laughs> you know. He, he knew a parking space? It was totally legit. Was you know, no some guy named Igor, give him the keys, go to the Metro North station, go back to Penn Station, you know. So there was a whole operation, but I remember seeing the T-shirt and it was like the gray shirt with the design. And but I remember hearing the tune. When I first heard Wasted Days, I was like, it had that like magic of like, this is brand new. And yet I feel I know this tune, mm. you know? It had that like, that is the ultimate songwriting thing everyone tries to achieve of mm-hmm. like, I've never heard this before, and yet it's familiar, and I'm almost singing along with it, even though I've never heard it before. And yeah. I remember I was like, yeah, man, this is cool. Um, and then, like, Information Era, I remember that, too. Like, that one blew my mind. I was like, just the way the bass line moved against the rhythm. Yeah. And especially, you know, just, like, what was happening, and it, it just had this lean. It was like a garage band playing reggae but almost playing this like early 80s new york like 
literally like that Rolling Stones kind of, you know, tattoo you like waiting on a friend kind of thing. It had oh, that yeah. feel, yeah. that era of the Stones that a lot of people don't rate, but I fucking love. Mm-hmm. And it had that really New York feel to it. And I was just like, this is fucking great. I was like, man, nobody's playing this. People are digging into different eras of reggae and Jamaican music. The agrolytes hadn't happened yet. Right. But obviously, like, we had been dabbling with, you know, skinhead reggae, what they call early reggae, but we called it skinhead reggae. We had been dabbling with it. Obviously, Slackers had for a few years in Stubborn All-Stars. We were messing with that. Um, and people were doing, like, Blue Beat. People were getting into Nyabingi or Buru Beat and stuff like that. But nobody was doing this kind of, I don't even know what era of, of reggae to call it because it was like it's like some things but it was also like brand new but it was like this retro it was futuristic retro but yes. 20 years ago you know that shit that I, I gotta remember that futuristic retro the slackers were there like 20 years ago kind of sounding futuristic old yeah i don't i don't know if it was intentional or not but it was like there's some really cool moments like i, I guess marcus i think it was you you had like the, the on um, wasted days you had the really like that really mid-rangey fuzzy bass that you like yeah. overdubbed or were you doing pink yes. guitar or something well that was a whole track and i was yeah. like that adds so much flavor to that track that i was like we had to fit like feature that prominently at spots yeah. it was just like yes it's not really like a reggae pick part it's, right it's just kind of this other kind of fuzzy cool guitar well, I, part but i did both i i played the part again using the i played the vox bass with the built-in distortion yes so that i played the regular part and then i played a distorted bass line and then i overdubbed that with the uh the charvel guitar the surfcaster to get that really like ticky tacky dan electro sound yeah i did the uh the stick bass part on top of that so there were really three parts it was the real a, bass, yeah. the distorted bass, and then the tic-tac bass. Yeah, it, it just got this cool sound, man. Like, yeah. I'd say that's yeah. a big difference between the question and um, Wasted Days is Marcus doing the stick parts. Question, too, I think. No. No, Dave Han did most of them. Oh, so did they he? Were, yeah, so they were, they, they were a lot lighter, or Vic did them, too. And um, I think you doing them, because it's, it, it's funny, because you have a phrasing on guitar, like you're not really a guitar player, but you have, but you, no. but you play, you play very in time with yourself because you know the, you know the bass part. <laughs> I know the part. The bass players play their pick but, parts. But it, but it, but it's sort of, it's a different tone. You have a very unique guitar, tone. It's a different on the feel too. It's a different. Yeah, yeah. It's. It's I not. It's not. Guitar. It's not as light as a typical reggae pick part. Yeah. No, it, I'm it's kind very of riff. It sounds more like a riff. Yeah. yeah. I kind of play the guitar heavy, and uh, maybe that comes across. It was, it was. It was. I think it was like the first time I heard it. I was like, "Huh, wait a minute." Okay, <laughs> it was. It was. It was different, mm. and it wasn't. It wasn't traditional, but it wasn't. I don't even know what to call it because it was just what it was, and it was just like, "All right, okay, that's where we're going." It had that's a great. We got a great tone out of it too. I remember because when we did the end of of the wasted days version that's on the album ends with that you know the guitar goes and it's an awesome guitar tone yeah whoever got that one with mike or albert gets oh that's the that's the one yeah that's albert albert right there yeah yeah 
these are awesome. But that's the thing that give like records their signature. You don't want to just have like a gimmick, like, oh, we have this new, we got a, a sitar, so we're going to put right. that on, or we got this pedal. But sometimes there is, especially going back decades, where some new technology would be invented. So suddenly you hear this synth or suddenly you know, whatever would be on this record and it has the sound of that record where it's like Wasted Days definitely had that. You guys like got some, yeah, exactly. You got the fuzz bass going. Somebody else got the phaser pedal going and something and it made this like cool sound that you put on a couple of tracks. So it had like a common thread running through it, you know, which like the, the, the sonic thing that the casual listener may not be that aware of, but it gets in there and it like, gives everything continuity so i know this is a little bit again off the topic here how does the track the sermon end up on wasted days since we're we're talking about this era well it's it's the lead-in to please decide like when q max did the thing live he would do you know the welcome to the church of slack sort of sermony thing on the album it's the lead-in to the nurse but uh, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it was, it was <laughs> the beginning to the nurse, and we were doing the nurse live, damn it. <laughs> yeah. It was just something Q would do live, and it always went over pretty well. Yeah. He would do the Church of Slack thing, and the crowd would go nuts, and then we'd, like, bust into a, a tune that had a bit of kick to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good good hype builder, for sure, to go into a song like The Nurse, or Please Decide. Either would be fine. I think Marcus <laughs> is right. We actually did it more with Please Decide, but for some reason, it ended up being the nurse on the album i know that when in the previous episode q was kind of mia for a lot of that did did you have the same right, yeah he, on he this basically one? missed the red he missed, he missed most of red light yes yeah uh was was he all there by this record again uh he showed up for the question and well, yeah yeah days. he's obviously all over the question but wasted that's, days was kind of half and half that's what yeah. i thought too yeah he he showed up for a at least one day, maybe two, but uh, he wasn't there all the time. Like I was the one in the studio trying to coach him on, on Made Up My Mind. It was like yeah. my tune. It was like, I need to get him to, to do it. And that took a while. Mm. And I remember getting hostility because I'm trying <laughs> to get the take out of him from other people. Uh-huh. Like, what the fuck? You done, you done yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, not to harp on this, but it was really expensive. <laughs> So yeah, I, w- I would literally be sitting there being like, "You spent three hundred dollars on this stupid effing tune already. Like, <laughs> move on." It was one of those strange things, you know. The, the we started as a trio, then we added a guitar player because Vic wasn't really super comfortable playing guitar, and he wanted to play keyboards. And next thing you know, he drags in this guy that he works with at the deli. Right. <laughs> You know, and, and to be fair, Q's is my brother. Uh, I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but I slept with the man for five years. So, you know, I'm he has a special place in my heart. It was it was, you know, it was one of those things. And then eventually I think he, he just realized he was going to go beyond that. He didn't really need the crutch. And then all of a sudden Glenn's there. You know, right. I don't I don't need the crutch anymore. Oh wait a minute! The guy next to me is a really great singer. He just—he just didn't tell anybody. He just showed up with his trombone and forgot to mention he's a really great singer. Right, and that's that's sort of, that's there's a whole another cycle of a whole new thing. Yeah. 
So it sounds like there's actually like a lot of like low key competition between you guys. Between there's nothing the low key fingers. about it. The slackers oh. are viciously competitive. <laughs> <laughs> you know competing. what really gets us united? We need a common foe. If right. we don't have a that common foe, we we savage each other. But you give us a common foe. I mean, there are so many stories about times where somebody pissed us off about something, and all of a sudden we are like, you know, rallied. Who, like who the, is who the is United the biggest? Front. Who was the biggest foe that that you guys s- stood down? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. I don't yeah, want to talk about Yeah. All right. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, my name is Matt Wixon. We've been joined also by Agent J Nugent, guitarist of the Slackers, Mr. Marcus Geard, bassist of the Slackers, and as always, David Hilliard, saxophone of the Slackers. JJ, what did I forget? Well, good night or something. <laughs> Thanks, JJ. Good night. <laughs>